I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and these women. And my name is Colin Drucker, and when I was in the Gay Volleyball League, the one thing I wasn't very good at was passing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like your, I don't even know. My Real Housewives (laughs) tagline. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh gosh, that's good. That was yeah, really good. Thanks. Well, I I realized that like I couldn't I couldn't find any like funny quotes from the movie. I couldn't be yeah, like, there really aren't. and that man's the only person I ever met impersonating a white woman. Like that's yes. not gonna work. Um, nope. But I just did it anyway. Week. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, all of that being context clues, that indeed we are talking about 2021's passing. Uh, because I don't want to say no one else is, but like, dear Lord, why are not, why, why isn't this like at the top of the list for people as far as just like the performances and Tessa Thompson, I, why are we not shouting her name just as loud as Martha Plimpton and mass? Like, I just don't get it. I know. Well, you know, I feel like I've probably seen her at least one other thing, but I, I feel like I also heard her name a lot people who have seen her in things love her people are obsessed with her and so kind of going into this i was like oh yeah people love tessa thompson she's like you know i don't know uh she's just one of those actresses that people just once you see her in something like oh my god you know i'll see you in anything and um yeah i mean she's she was great and of course i mean she is she's practically in every frame of the movie so she's very much at the heart of this and then mm-hmm. you know uh in in a really fascinating uh best supporting actress potential nominee uh role is Ruth Nega uh, playing Claire and i i mean what a what a fascinating bsa kind of performance that yeah is you got to pay attention to every facial feature and and micro moment because there's no big moments, you know, like no, at at no point does she, um, does she break or do we get to see, you know, anything more than she wants us to see. And I think normally I like when they break and normally I like when I get those moments, but like it does end up making this performance more fascinating. Yeah. I think for both of them too, it's like who can stay together the longest yeah who won't who will stay together who will fall apart right right who's gonna drop the teapot yeah i know oh that moment that's where i'm like yes because i gotta tell you i was talking about this with a friend of mine the other day the the best actress race this year is uh my friend's seen probably more of the 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 potential nominees than i have but it's not 
I feel like last year may have been a little more, or the last couple of years may have been a little bit more competitive. I'm just yeah. not sure there's anyone who's like, you know, at the forefront, like God forbid, you know who playing being the, you know, what's um, sure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> need I say more? I mean, I, God <laughs> forbid if she wins, but I really feel like Tessa Thompson in passing to me, it's like, there's ways in which it's like Francis McDormand in Nomadland or, you know, I don't know, Francis McDormand in anything where it just feels like, oh, yeah. this whole movie is on your shoulders. It's all on like the decisions you're making as an actress, you know, and with the director and the writer and whatnot. But um, all that to say that I don't think Tessa Thompson's name is going to be on that short list for best actress. And of all the years, this seems like a weak year to block out such a great performance. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I, I know that I, maybe it's just because she doesn't have the clout yet. You know what I mean? I feel like Ruth Nega is just like a couple strides ahead of her. And like she like, thank God one of them is getting the attention. Right. Um, but I again, in what world are we not seeing Tessa Thompson nominated for a Golden Globe or anything else that's, you know, in the awards circuit thus far? You know, usually critics choice. They usually get it right. You know, they yeah. pick the people that we like. But I. I've only heard about Ruth Nega in this movie and and that's not a bad thing either because she's great too. I feel like there's I feel like this movie exists in the same universe as like a streetcar named Desire, but if like Blanche and Stella left the house more. You know what I mean? Yeah, well it really does have I mean that was one of the things I I loved about this is um, it's based on a novella, which, and I know that's such a, yes. a pretentious word to not just say a book, but I was getting such a short story vibe that it makes sense that it's based on a short piece of fiction. It has that same feeling that like A Streetcar Named Desire or another play, for example, would feel where there's a, there you can tell it with something else. You know what I mean? And I feel like with passing, I can... Um, I can tell that it was a short story and I can feel the kind of literary beats. And I feel like mm -hmm. similar to like streetcar named desire. There's like, there's almost act breaks in this movie, you know, it almost feels like chapter breaks. Oh yeah. Anytime that like Harlem piano sound comes in, it's just like a reminder, like end of scene. End of right. Scene. It's like tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. But I love it. Like it, it never feels like out of place, but it feels like a good, I don't know. It just feels like a transitional and like a really fun, way fun was not the adjective i wanted to use there but uh unique and cool way i guess we'll, we'll yeah. say instead but well uh, that that little piano riff i don't know if it there is a an iphone ringtone that sounds like that it's like these little sure. jazzy pianos like ting, 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 yeah, ting. I yes. and so i kept thinking like yes. somebody's phone is going off in this movie uh but no it was just <laughs> the transitional music but I mean, even, you know, the first, like, chapter or act of the movie, which is all that that summer day that ends mm. with, um, uh, oh, gosh, I'm... Uh, Irene, Claire. Irene, with, which yeah. with, ends with Irene and her husband, you know, kissing in the chair. I felt yes. like that was, like, a fascinating short film, you know? Like, yes. that alone of, like, this... Because, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen Passing, it's on Netflix. It's basically 90 minutes... It's so goddamn good, but, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's, you know, takes place over, you know, extended period of time, but um, takes place in 1920s New York, and Irene, uh, one day and over the summer, runs into an old friend, Claire, and, mm -hmm. uh, and Claire is, as the title would suggest, passing as a white woman, and it's a really jarring first scene because then Claire's 
husband or do they go back to claire's hotel i think um yeah i think they yeah it's yeah. like let's go up to my suite she said to her so. suite right and that's where they meet up with claire's white husband john played by alexander skarsgård and i mean i gasped i gasped when he talked about what his nickname was for claire oh my god and it, it caught me and what was i mean it's a really it's such a fascinating scene because to see the way that claire had to not react and then to see the way that Tessa, you know, Irene had to put on a reaction and like the way that that laughter almost felt like sounded like tears. It was, yes. And it was, I mean, and the way that, you know, um, as they say, like he put the R on it, like he said it, like he, he meant that word, you know, uh, this was, and it just like, Oh, I know. I I just clutched my purse. I know. I don't think I breathed during that scene. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause, uh. I mean, Alexander Skarsgård continuing to just play like scary husband after scary husband. I feel like he's just pigeonholed now forever, which sucks. But he is, I hate to say good at it because yeah. it's not like, uh, how do you praise that? I mean, he has an Emmy Award. Doesn't he have an Emmy? I think that he won something for Wasn't Big Little he Lies. In, oh, was it Big Little Lies or True Blood yeah. or one of those things? I know he's in True Blood. Well, I need you, I, I need everyone really to stop, you don't have to pause the podcast, but everyone look up Alexander Skarsgård's IMDb picture. I, it was just about to what say. Is hap- I mean, I'm not complaining, but it's just like, it, he looks like a kid who forgot his pants. Yeah. Uh, and to answer your question first, you are right. He did win for uh, Pretty Little Lies, Big Little Lies. One of the lies that were big yeah. and little. Big uh, fires everywhere. Yeah. yeah little little fires. Little nine, big fires. Nine strange fires everywhere that <laughs> someone's lying about and Meryl screaming. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. His, he is from the uh, waist up. He is in a tuxedo. And from the legs down, he forgot his pants. Skivvies. And yeah. Skivvies. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to make of it, you know? I just, okay. I mean, listen. That's so strange. It really, it lends itself to like an IMDb picture bracket, you know, where we yeah, like. Yeah, there we go. Because when it's we like. we get our Instagram up and running. Yeah. yeah what's worse, <laughs> this or Celia Weston's IMDb picture? I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. God. Right? Uh, <sighs> so anyway, so that's kind of, yeah, that's act one is this like awful interaction she has and then. You know, she goes home and and it's a really I mean, this movie is so show don't tell. I mean, that that scene with with her husband, Brian, played by Andre Holland, it was so there was just like this moment of appreciation that I felt like was it was about so much more than just their marriage. There was just a thing there. It was like charged. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You could tell like instantly that they have not. I guess really touched each other in a while. Like the way that, cause he's uh, it's, and it's just with one line that when he says, am I still dreaming? It's just like, you know that they haven't been intimate in a long time. And like just coming from where, she, where we know she was coming from, even though he doesn't know it, it's charged or it's kind of fueled by that to just be, I don't know. I would just feel so safe and like thankful to be at home after all right. that with him. Right. Right. With him. And like, there is that sense. I mean, what's so, fascinating about this movie is that while it is all about um you know being being black in in new york in the 1920s i mean like there's so much as a gay man that i could read into this about like oh, oh yes the way that oh you're back in the gayborhood you're back in the the safe part of town and you're back with kind of you know uh the familiar faces and and when that was necessary in this context you see that like oh no living in harlem 
you know, living in, you know, uh, getting away from that part of town is also getting away from those people. Yes, absolutely. I, there's so much of this, like, this could be a queer movie and, like, you know, a heartbeat. It could be, mm-hmm. like, two gay men, two lesbians, it, it, or, like, anyone in the queer community. Um, and it made me think about my my own self, like, and then, like, having, like, going down that road and how to adapt it, like, how it would be the same story, but, like, with different, obviously different uh, plot lines and stuff like that. Like, but really, even outside of the queer community, we're all passing as someone who like who we're presenting to the world but this is i mean i'm going away from that but i just think it it, op- it opened up so many conversations for myself in addition to what i was watching in front of me well i think that the irene even says to hugh at the party that one night she said he because he was like you know you you could even you know pass if you wanted and she says who says that i'm not you know we're all passing for something yes and you know and i think that's and that's where it was like oh my god the the queer of it all you know i mean like i know there was a, a brief hand-holding moment but there wasn't much more than they need to do to suggest that maybe claire and irene were you know uh maybe gay till graduation or whatever it may be you know what i mean like maybe there was a moment yes. maybe they even had a moment um but yeah. uh in a bit of a boston marriage you know i don't know i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> but uh, <laughs> God, i feel like a lot of that <laughs> That's okay. I feel like a lot of that sort of what you were just talking about was was most prevalent in that like uh, what was it like the backyard garden scene? Uh huh. Yeah. Um, when Claire comes over and is sitting with Zoo, that works for Irene, but I. Like, there's just something about the way they were looking at each other. And that's actually one of my favorite face journeys of Irene in the entire movie, too, is like, because I think it's still new. It just reminds me of, like, young love because it seems it's like Claire is back in Irene's life. It's it's like things are kind of going the way they used to be, whatever that means. Mm. But also, like, she because she asks her, like, oh, you should stay for are you going to stay for dinner? Also, are you coming to bridge? It's just like those little things to get excited about. And the scene ends with Claire saying goodbye and Irene just kind of like, I oh my it's so good her eyes are just kind of darting around and she's smiling it is palpable like i cannot get over how good she is in this movie and like if anyone doesn't know what a face journey is like just watch this movie it is like it is a master class of face journeys oh it's it's so many face journeys and i know the one you're talking about because i mean there were many where it was just like oh we didn't have to spend this time watching this this moment but we are and with you know Tessa Thompson with Irene I mean so much it does feel like so much of her character is like reacting and it it in some ways there's a way in which Irene feels like Rosemary and Rosemary's baby like there is this kind of like Mm. fragility and trying to hold it together and I feel like when she drops the teapot at the party to me, like it reminded me of when they have that party in Rosemary's baby and she like breaks down in the kitchen and she's crying to her friends. Yes. Like there was yeah, just, and the women I, shut the door. The women shut the door. <laughs> yeah. It, I love that scene. Uh, and I yes. just felt like there was a, a similar thing here when, you know, she's just like, I don't know, like at that point of like, I just, I'm barely holding on here. I like that. We never outright know like what Irene is not what she's struggling with, but like she never has like a big like expository speech. We know that she wants to leave New York. We know that like 
she doesn't feel safe here. We know that she feels worried about the kids, but I feel like much to your point about streetcar named desire, there's like this deeper thing that like I is underneath yeah. the surface of all of that, you know? Yeah, I do. Cause I, I've, I was kind of asking myself similar questions too, because it's like, it's like when um, we watch what movie were we just talking about where someone was at a dinner? Oh, the power of the dog. Yeah. In the dinner scene. Uh huh. N- different performances and different situations for sure. But I, I just, I feel like Irene is just always on the verge of tears and she like it's she's just like holding it back with everything in her power and i and i just i question why that was sometimes even when like it, i guess it was like it was most validated when she um tells claire and brian to go out to the nightclub that one night or something yep. like mm-hmm. that just go you know just go i don't know does she want them to fall in love does she not does she not think that she's like pretty enough i i guess there's that but also another one of my favorite face journeys when they leave and she just stands there holding the door Ugh. oh yeah yeah so many beautiful shots well i think there's like a sense that like you know there there's a life that claire has that irene is kind of seduced by or you know mm. in some way but but i claire is like in love with irene's life you know and so there's yes there is a way in which you could edit this to also be a thriller like a let's say single white female which is a very ironic title um yeah. but there is that quality of like you know uh, claire coming into irene's life and you know, there's one moment when they're going to go to the party that night that I noticed and then I read about it in the trivia and IMDb. So it was very validating that like when when Irene or when Claire arrives, Irene sees Claire and Brian in the in a, in a mirror and in the reflection. Mm-hmm. However, the shot is set up. They look very close to each other. And then when she gets downstairs, she sees that they're actually like at a normal distance apart. And it's supposed Ooh, to kind of suggest yes. like, oh, she's she's moving in and she's encroaching. And um, and uh, Irene has that great line. She says to Brian of like, I just feel like you're more content with what you have when she's around, you know? Um, yes. A great line. I yeah. Love that. I love that. And I think, there, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it, and there is something really fascinating about here is this woman who is trying to pass for white and like, and the privileges that come with that and the life that comes with that. And, and then it's like, Oh no, but now I want your life too. And mm-hmm. there's a way in which, I mean, again, like the, the irony of these, of, of this is that like, there's a way in which Claire is a bit of a black widow. You know what I mean? Like she's just going to yes. come in and like, you know, uh, take over, you know, Claire's place. And, it's I don't know and yet I don't think I don't think she's malicious I think she's like a Blanche Dubois I think that she's tragic yeah 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 she's lonely I mean I just feel like you know her husband's out of town I can't remember like you know Marjorie is her daughter the way she says Marjorie's like I have a daughter Marjorie like though I mean speaking of that like I love the dialects here like like she's like a southern belle mm-hmm. and there's something about the way that Irene talks that almost like it feels like a Judy Garland situation. Like I, there's at that dinner scene where um, uh, Brian's like, you know, we have to have the conversation um, about race. And she's like, we don't. She's like, we do not. The way she like kind of like has. Oh, that, like, I, yes. Shaky, yes. Uh-huh. I, I don't know how to like describe that or what that's even called. But like, 
I think even, even when they're on the bench, I think she's like, I always thought that you were the beauty. The way she says, like, the tease. It's mm-hmm. just, like, so interesting. I, uh, the details in this movie. It's worth mentioning uh, that this is a the uh, writing and directorial debut of Rebecca Hall, an actress who I've seen, I just saw in The Night House last year. Um, but, you know, there is that kind of feeling of, like, okay, it's, you know, it, it's the debut, you know, directing and writing, you know, project of an actress. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be very reductive about it. And sometimes you, it shows, you know. And I... I can't believe how, like, to your point about the details, like, just how incredibly accomplished and, like, artful this was for yes. someone who hasn't directed a feature film before. I mean, like, it was, it was just so, I mean, someone could be like, you know, I think my one friend was like, well, there's some kind of, like, film school moments. And I was like, oh, no, you need to, like, you need to soak in it, girl. Like, you need to, you need to <laughs> enjoy, like, this is this is not art school. This is you're being schooled. This movie just like wraps itself around you and just like it it, mm-hmm. it puts its fur coat over you and says, "Come with me." And sometimes yes. you stare out in the distance for a little too long. Who cares? Yes, I love a lingering moment like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I was never bothered by it. Like I will say, I watched this at the airport um, with my AirPods on. And first, I will say, just for the sake of. Um, Oh, my goodness. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Andre Holland, who plays mm, Brian. Yeah. His voice is like satin. It's oh. like butter and sat- it's like an ASMR video. Like the, the deep sort of like it's so gorgeous to listen to him talk. And he's always tired in the movie. So it's just like mm-hmm. that first scene. I was like, whoa. Um, but I it was it did feel like, quote unquote, slow to me. And I think I was just like, you know, having a meltdown because we had to wait six hours for our plane. Or, oh, and yeah. I just wanted uh-huh. it to go faster. But I, I kind of rewatched it today and kind of skimmed through some stuff. And it's 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 well worth the wait. And also, like when I went back to the beginning, I was like, oh, this stuff is great. This is so mm-hmm. good. It just sets the scene. Yeah, that's how I felt about the power of the dog was like when I went back and saw it again, I was like, oh, all of this setup is so important. But the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, God, where's Kirsten? You know? Um, Yeah, there's intention behind it with both of the films. I think that's when movies do feel slow is when it's just slow for the purpose of being slow. Like, show us why you're choosing to linger here. Or, you know, I, I just feel like, I don't know, there's there's a choice as to why. And I guess that's, you know got to hand it to Rebecca Hall for that and and yeah. for the writing too um it's it's fantastic yeah i'm it's really i mean it, it, this is similar to power the dog where this it it does make me want to read the book like i would love yes. to kind of dig into this world more i mean what's interesting and i think maybe you know again it it only runs about 90 minutes but still the story is very small that's why it feels like a short story it's a very yeah i could see this being a 45 minute movie where it's just you know it it spans i don't it seems like it maybe all of this is is uh summer to winter of the same year um Mm -hmm. but you know it's just kind of like she has that that interaction in the spring and then it sounds like then claire writes to her she doesn't write her back i love when brian is reading the letter in bed and he's like kind of getting a kick out of it Ugh. Oh my God! Yeah. I, he's good God. Uh, yeah. like read it again. Uh, I know. Yes. Yeah. And I was also I was so relieved that Irene took her earrings off in bed because I was like, "What are you doing with those earrings?" <laughs> um, yes. But then eventually, yeah. Then then you know, uh, 
Claire and Irene reconnect in the fall. And um, and it's interesting that we don't see Brian, or not, excuse me, Brian, um, John, uh, Alexander Skarsgård's character, Skarsgård's mm-hmm. character uh, until the very end. Like, it's, it's sort of, he's kind of like an act one gun, you know? Yeah. I, like, literally, because then, you know, spoiler yeah. alert, uh, he goes off in act three. Yes. There was something, oh, this is, you said something about IMDb, and I felt really validated about this because I was thinking the same thing. And I, as I was thinking it, I read it and I was like, yeah, that this would be such, if this was a play, that this would be such a great sort of, what was the movie, or what was the play rather with like uh, Laura Linney and Cynthia uh-huh. Nixon? Yeah, the little foxes. Where they, yeah, where they switch roles. And yep. I thought that would be such a great. But I think that's like it was some little blur about how like Rebecca Hall, like when she was casting it, um, felt like these two women should be able to like take on each other's role. Um, right. Maybe like for the way they look, but also like their their acting chops, too. But I, I would have loved to have seen maybe the opposite. But I'm I'm so glad we didn't. It's like just what with those women, you know, you prefer like with Cynthia Nixon, like she should be playing this character because this is what it just I don't know, plays of their strengths a little bit more. That's, I mean, I saw that production of The Little Foxes. Yeah. And I, and they're actually, 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 there are clips on YouTube that show there this, are. the same scene yes. with each of them. And I got to tell you, the one I saw, like, uh, Cynthia Nixon playing Birdie, the sister, and Laura Linney playing Regina, or whatever her name was, the, the main character, made way more sense than the other way yes. around. Made no yep. sense. But yeah, you um, could definitely tell. Yeah. So yeah, this would be very interesting. And there's also in a way, I mean, if this movie wanted to be real art house and real film school about it, there is, you could get kind of surreal and actually have as the movie progresses, Claire playing Irene, you know, excuse me, Ruth Naga playing oh, Irene because she's kind of taking yes. over, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of a, and then, you know, uh, Tessa Thompson playing Claire and kind of being like almost not even knowing who she is, you know? Oh yeah. It's like wife swap in a way. Yeah, really, <laughs> really. I mean, that's like, you know, uh, if you wanted to really make this twisted, but, oh, but it, yes. again, it's, it's not even that big of a story. I mean, a lot of it is also just a slice of life glimpse into 1920s New York. And I mean, there's that whole, the dance, the, um, I guess it's the, uh, I guess it's called the Negro League. I don't know if that's now the national, the NAACP, but mm. um, anyway, I'm being a little tiptoey. I don't want to say the wrong words, but sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they go to that party, and I I gotta say, I mean, talking about BSA energy, best supporting actor Bill Camp as Hugh. Oh, uh, loved loved him. Loved him. I thought like the the way that he and Irene were like there was just like brilliant banter brilliant banter Mm -hmm. so smart he was really fascinating as a character i i liked that it was like i felt like it was like conversations i never you never think you would see between like a white man and a black woman in 1920s heart you know new york you know what i mean like they're having like yes very you know he says to her about like you know about claire like oh is there a sense of kinship when you see her even though she's passing and Boy, did that stand out to me as a gay thing mm, of like, yes, how do you know without knowing that, oh, you walk in a room and you're like, oh, that guy's gay. Yeah. I just know. I, like, yes. You know, without hearing him speak, without seeing certain like mannerisms might give things away. Sometimes I just have to see their face and I'm like, that's a gay face. 
you know? Yeah, there's something. Yeah, gay face. Or just, I don't know, there's something having a conversation with someone you know the whole like the kinsey scale and just like they're you're a little gay and i feel like uh the character of hugh is a little gay bill camp like i feel like he's like did you get that vibe or well not? i yeah he has a wife he because we see her oh. dancing and that's where boy the conversation i started to get kind of uncomfortable but he's talking about his wife dancing with black men and being attracted yes. and it was yes. uh and I, there was just like a i don't know it, it was kind of fascinating there was like a a white privilege freedom that he had to kind of just say whatever he wanted unfiltered. Yeah. It just like, even just the whole setup in general too, is a little voyeuristic, you know, like the way that he's watching everyone and observing someone, but like, like black people, I guess. But I, I, I don't, I guess in a way too, it's like, do you, how do I say this? It's like, I'm glad he's making that effort at the same time. Like, I feel that like you should surround yourself in like communities of like people that you, that you don't know about, I guess to, and, and I guess in his case, he's a writer, right? That's the situation. I think so. I don't remember. Um, but I, I agree with you. I feel like, um, it, you know, it, it's weird to feel tiptoe about these conversations or having conversations that you could yeah. say the wrong things. It's like, well, in general, I like, i I think it's great. I think it's like there. I think what I love about it is the way that Irene reacts to him. It's not like, even if he says something that's offensive, it's like, she just knows how to throw it right back to him. She's like, Oh, well that's just, um, exotic, you know, exotification, like whatever. She just, she knows how to put him in his place in. And I guess in a way that felt like, okay, this is a good forum to ask questions. Like I, like if someone yeah. were to say to me, when you see somebody who might be gay but is pretending to be straight, do you feel a sense of kinship? Do you feel a thing? I don't find that mm. to be an offensive question. I find that to be an interesting question, but I could see how much to Irene's point, it could start to feel like an interview for National Geographic, you know? Um, yes. And I don't know where the line sure. is, you know? Like ask questions, but don't ask too many, you know? Ask questions. Yeah, we'll but, let you know if you've gone too far. Right. Don't ask anything you couldn't Google. I don't know. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah, the roots seem to run deep with him, and I it, I, I wonder how long they've known each other, and I feel that that factors yeah, into yeah. That, that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that too of like, there's a there's a connection that goes beyond this. This week on the Best Supporting After Show... Let's check in on part two of season two of Pen15. Let's do it. After watching this again, too, like, I want to see Maya Erskine and, like, something, like, something crazy dramatic because I just feel like she'd be so good. Or to write something crazy dramatic because, like, if Yuki is any indication of that or even, like, even that monologue, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf monologue when she's, like, Bring me water. Bring me turnips. Oh my god! <laughs> She's like mommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mommy, mommy. Call me oh mommy. <laughs> yeah. Call- we don't get this? to see Maya take care of Anna a lot. It's like right. Because right. normally it's the other way around. To I definitely like went through the preliminary interview and then I just like left and like went to a subway and like sat there and ate a chicken teriyaki sub. You know. <laughs> So uh, that's what I would approximate this to. Because I'm like eight episodes into the sex lives of college girls. <gasps> so I'm hoping that's going to make up. Oh, hard. forgiven, Colin. <laughs> forgiven. Let's talk about Yellow Jackets. And I think it's going to get real fucked up. I know you're not a cabbage girl, but I am a cabbage girl. Okay, um, tell me about this. 
To hear all that and more and get early access to our main episodes, just go to patreon.com slash bsapod. And thanks for the support. You're the best. So, you know, another character I want to just mention as we're talking about supporting characters, and she is only in a couple of scenes, but the Anna Devere Smith quality jumped out of, like, every time I saw her, I was interested. Uh, I believe it's the character of Felice who throws the party at the very end. Yes. And she's the woman who's with Irene when they run into John on the street, um, Mm -hmm. played by Antoinette Crow Legacy. And there was a moment when... John looks at her and then realizes, oh, I'm standing in front of two black women. And she 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 just keeps her chin lifted. And it's just so much is said in her face. And it's such a charged yeah. moment. And I and she pops up just like here and there, you know, throughout the movie. But I just I don't know. I I was very drawn to her. Uh, I yeah. that was you know, there was like not quite assistance to the BSA, but just like an Anna Devere Smith best featured ensemble, you know. Yeah, I love that. I I don't know. I can't remember what the conversation was. Like right before the tea kettle was dropped, she's talking to Irene and she's like, oh, go out and buy yourself an expensive frock. That's what I always do. Is she like, does she know like along with Irene or suspect along with Irene that like Brian's, you know, there there's more to, to the relationship or was that a separate conversation? Am I piecing things together weirdly? No, I think there's a moment between Felice and Irene at the party. Yeah where Felice, Irene sees Claire and Brian talking, and then Felice is up next to Irene, and she sees it, and it's yes. this unspoken, oh, I need to talk to Claire, which is I'm going to get yes, her away from I, your I husband. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yes. yeah, and I think that also jumped out to me. as like, oh, man, brilliant. Like, what a yeah, brilliant... she doesn't even flinch. Yeah, yeah, what a great piece of writing and acting and directing, you know? Um, so, yeah, she was just a, a lovely addition to the movie. Um, in otherwise, I mean... There's very few sort of characters, really. I yeah, mean, there's a, a lot of cast. people. Yeah. It's a lot of these two women the entire time, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 98% of this movie is them, which and, I love. And the black and white cinematography, I, oh, God, I just loved it. Like, it just was so beautiful that I was so glad the movie wasn't in color. Yeah, I think it makes so much more sense to do it. It's like an obvious choice that I probably wouldn't have thought of. Uh, at first, yeah, and and you know it's interesting because I feel like it it what it does for I think a lot of the audience is it doesn't let us decide how well Claire is passing. Well, I use with with bunny ears. You know what I mean? Like sure. how much she's accomplishing the the illusion of looking like a white lady. Um, I feel like by making it black and white, and I was thinking about this because I like I wondered. If there was a sense, like, how, I don't, I, oh, God, I'm so tiptoe here. What I'm trying to say is, me today could look at Ruth Nega and say, I can tell that you're not a white woman. I can see that mm-hmm. you're, you know, uh, at least, you know, uh, mixed race, but, like, you're not, you know, uh, Susie Cream Cheese yeah. from Darien, Connecticut. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so what I'm wondering is, is someone like, are we are we as the audience supposed to see that that like you know she very much has the features of a black woman and is it meant to suggest that like john is so unaware of what black people or people of color could look like that he doesn't realize that because she doesn't look like say a stereotype in his head that he believes she's white 
Is that is that weird? Like uh, no, I, th- I I know exactly where you're going with this, and I I I sense your hesitation because it's something that I wanted to talk about too. But maybe. I, I think there's something there. And I listened to, I think it was Pop Culture Happy Hour, and I believe, I don't know if there are two or three women, but I believe um, two of them were black women. And they themselves were saying, like, these two women, like, they don't really pass for white women, you know, like with their features. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of talking about the same thing. But I I think maybe there's something to the casting of both of these women, too, especially with Tessa Thompson, too, even like, like the fullness of her lips, mm-hmm. you know, and like it uh, features uh, that would be, you know, if I saw there are times during the movie where I, I, I say like to myself, like, is everyone else really falling for this? Because they do look like black women. And yeah, but I think that's I mean, we're having that conversation because of this, too. And, you know, we're trying to piece it together <laughs> as two white men talking about it. But I think <laughs> who better? <laughs> I know who better than us. <laughs> That's why we're here, folks. Because someone said we need a couple of white guys to talk about what passing is about. I know. Um, well, you know, an example I think is that you know, and there's definitely a connection to this movie, the movie um, Imitation of Life from the yes. 1950s. And uh, I think the actress's name is Susan Coner. Uh, she is playing a character who's passing. And to look at her, I mean, she kind of looks like Natalie Wood in West Side Story, which you know. <laughs> Uh, a white woman playing a Puerto Rican woman, you know, it, right. it's yes. to the extent where it's like, okay, I could understand this makes sense to me. But that was maybe the one thing that stood out. Like that line where Tessa, where Irene says like, oh, that you've just, you know, it's the first person I ever met impersonating a white woman. I just, I, even that first scene when they were all laughing at John's nickname for Claire, I thought, wait, he doesn't realize that Irene is black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that I just I, I would that's maybe why I'd love to read the book is really to kind of get all of that context because you know, it's sort of like Mrs. Doubtfire. It's like really Miranda, you really couldn't tell that was your husband. Yes, yeah. But I I guess yeah, that's maybe that was intentional just for for us to have that conversation, but also like you were saying initially too, that that's John's perception of what a white woman could potentially look like, as opposed to what he, you know, what we actually know watching this movie as viewers. Yeah, it's like it is John so ignorant that it's like, well, she's blonde. There's no way that she's black. Black women don't have blonde hair, you know. Like, yeah, is, is it just kind of that level of ignorance? And like, there's certainly a conversation about her having. Uh, you know, and that's where she gets the nickname from, but having a darker yeah. skin color and, you know, they, they kind of talk about that explicitly in the beginning. And it is, it's, it's a really weird moment of like, wait a minute, like, in no word, I just, I can tell, like, yeah. <laughs> and but I think going, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. but I think, I think you're right. I think there's something, this movie is so artfully done and so like, uh, everything is done on such purpose that there's probably we're probably supposed to it's not supposed to be this like illusion we're supposed to see these women for who they are yeah and i think there's something even to say about how we as white people too as far as like you know i think of that like awful story uh which i mean i feel like in some ways is still like there are more black actors and actresses that work if they have lighter skin as opposed to darker skin Mm -hmm. and like that's like the paper bag rule like in hollywood like you had to be lighter than a paper bag right 
that both of these women are would probably pass that test and even the ladies at the very beginning shopping for toys the the one almost spots it you if you watch her like i know that irene has her hat down in that toy store but like she she looks at her and there's just like a brief pause but she's like oh no well she you know she's in a you know she's downtown and she's in a right. store so she has to be a white woman like it's just not enough to question but it's enough to question, I guess, as uh, for us. And it's interesting. interesting. It's it, yeah, yeah, like the idea that, like, oh no, she's in this part of town in this store dressed like that, and the cognitive dissonance of there's no way that could be a black woman. Like that's yes. And and now, now that we're talking about it, whether or not this is intentional or not, now I kind of love that our view as the audience is two very clearly black women, but you know. And that we as the audience see that, but like, yes, all of these people, you know, they're, they see things differently. I think that's really, um, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder if that's the point. Something to think about. Yeah. yeah. And also that these, both of these women are really wealthy or at least have husbands that are yep. really wealthy. So it's not just their, the color of their skin or facial, facial features. It's the way they care themselves. It's the way that they speak. It's the way that they dress. It's, you know, even Irene at the beginning sitting in that, like, that club that I want to call it a country club, but it's just like a, you know, the, the, the hotel, of, like a very yeah. expensive hotel. Like there, no black woman in her right mind would be sitting in that hotel. Right. During that time. Right. Right. Um, but she dares to do so. And I don't know. Gosh, I was just so nervous. The first 20 minutes of this movie. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, you really are just kind of getting these hints. And I wondered even at the toy store in the beginning, the way that the shop, you know, the guy behind the counter was kind of short with her and he was like, Oh, well, better luck next time. I almost wondered if he could tell. And that was a kind of moment of like, he would talk, he wouldn't talk to a white woman like that, you know? Yeah. Because it's a, I don't know. It's just a whole different confrontation to have. Like there's a confrontation Mm -hmm. like that you would have if like, or I guess like white people being uncomfortable, if like someone darker skin, like, or even like, uh, I would say, Irene's husband I guess like if Brian Mm -hmm. walked into that store even though he's a doctor you don't know he's a doctor Mm -hmm. he's just a black man and white people feel uncomfortable around that so it's like they ask them to leave and I I, or worse so it's like I, I just feel there's so much I think there's that one monologue I called it like the bottom of the stairs monologue with Claire in the streets where she just says like I'm not safe um, yeah, but it's like yeah. she could have fooled us. You know what I mean? Like she's literally sleeping with a white man. I just I don't think I'd ever be able to relax. But I think you have to fully believe and that you are a white woman or you are not a black woman. I It's it's fascinating. Yeah. And I mean, it, it eventually kind of I mean, and the question that I mean, I think that we're even navigating towards is like, well, what would happen if John were to find out that Claire was actually black? Um, yeah. And. I, and I think that is where I think Ruth Nega's performance is really the most interesting is at that party when he arrives, there is this kind of like, you know, she's like, oh, somebody passed me my drink. And she's kind of watching the door. And it feels to me like somebody who knows that there is like, you know, they're in a burning building and the the flames are, you know, getting to their floor. So it's like, let me just get the, re- the, the most out of this moment that I can before it's all over. It was like she knew that her life was over that night. And yeah. I, you know, I, it does raise then that question of like, did she fall 
Was she pushed? Oh, I know. Did she I, jump? I still don't know. I, I rewound, rewound, rewinded. I can never think of the <laughs> the verbiage there. But I I went back and watched that like three different times. And I all three times I was like, I was like, maybe Irene pushed her. I don't know. Right. Like so, I, she kind of scoops her. Right. Because that, that was my next question is like, I, I remember seeing it looked like Irene had scooped her to kind of hold her in. Um, and then I was so afraid that they both fell and I was like, Oh, we can't do that to me. But, um, yes. so then I was like, well, wait, did like, did she actually push her? Cause that, that would have obviously solved, you know, an incoming problem in her life. Um, yeah, yes. You know, and, and I guess we don't know. And it's like, we don't even know if John actually pushed her. And in my mind, whether she jumped or she slipped or she was oh, pushed, yeah. That was the only conclusion because I think if she went home with John, he would have killed her. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminded me of just like the Diary of Anne Frank. You know, yeah. I was just like, they found out. Get out of there! Right. Like it's like it's but and also like like you were saying too. It's like the you know the string quartet on the Titanic. Just uh-huh. like well, we might as go out. Might as well go out the way that we want. I as soon as it was like Chekhov's window, I was like, first of all, that window is so dangerous. Oh like my God. I, I can't even imagine looking. I would my stomach is churning just thinking of it. It was so high up. It was like the Sex in the City window, the, the <laughs> Kristen Johnson window. Yeah, Kristen Johnson. Yes. Oh my God! I was like, this. It was like this is so unsafe, and I was very worried about Irene. My palms were sweating until the shot of her walking away of the living room towards the front door. I was like, oh yes. my God. Oh, yeah, get God. out of there. You don't need to stand there after it happened. I thought that John was going to fall and I would have loved that. But then it would have been a whole a, a whole new can of like chaos because it's like a white man was fell out of a window of a, a party thrown by like a black woman. Yeah. Like, they well, would have all been dead. You know, I yeah. uh, like it just would have been crazy. It is interesting to that point. It isn't when he's starting to get enraged. That's actually Felice says to him watch out you are the only white man at this party yes i and, love that line oh you know just a Police. heads up just a heads up for the westons best featured ensemble <laughs> internet yes. crow legacy as fleece i just you know these things matter i they do and i love not forget yeah and i love what that suggested or like what that meant of like you're the, there was a sense of power of like you are outnumbered here so yeah, like, you're the minority. You're the minority. Bub. And, yeah. And I really, it was, uh, that was just, oh, that whole moment was just so fascinating and so tense, but I was like, get away from the window. Um, yeah, uh, I don't think we're meant to know what happened. And I love that there are three different, you know, alternatives there of like pushed, jumped, or by, and pushed by whom. Right. I just, I just don't even know. And I love that there wasn't any, Sort of like romanticizing her falling slowly, like back, like down into uh-huh. the snow. Like you don't, you don't see it so much so that like all you see is that arm, and yeah, and like Irene knows. I think Irene knew, like she wanted to help her, but didn't want to help her, but also knew that like he could have easily grabbed both of them and pushed them out the window, like in mm-hmm. in a rage, you know, like she's protecting herself. Yeah, and in some ways, Irene metaphorically pushed Claire to her death because she ran into John that day on the street with Felice. And that's how he knew um, that she was a black woman and then knew that Claire went to this party and it was just like, it all added together. And so there's that knowledge that like, 
you know, she was not responsible, but she was a, you know, a, a domino in this. Um, yeah. In this and event. the irony. Yes, absolutely. The irony also that it was out of all the gallivanting that Claire was doing uptown and not caring and like how she wasn't really like care. She didn't care who saw her, but it was actually <laughs> Irene that was the one that was spotted and ruined everything. And maybe that's an alternate version of what you're already saying. Um, but, but that, I, that's what happened. Yeah. You're totally right. That, yeah. Like that's the other part of it is that Claire was also not being careful, you know? Yes. Um, yes. That it's not like she was, you know, you know, closeted about this. She was, you would think in a way it's like, Claire, are you trying to get caught? You know? Maybe she was. I right? don't know. I feel like it's like, was she? It's like the grass is always greener. It's like both of them have things in their lives that they didn't like and both things that they, I guess, like for Claire, I feel like she has, you know, stability, a husband who makes money and she's able to do whatever she wants. And she's also able to pass as a white woman. Those are the pros, but the cons are like, she's lonely and she misses being around black people. She says it like, yeah, you know, right. Hearing them laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There is that thing, whether it's, you know, being, you know, a black person among other black people or a gay person among other gay people of like you, it's a, there's a thing, there's an energy there of like, I just need to click into that. I just need to, you know, I need to be able to queen out with someone basically, you know? And, and I yes. felt like that. And I, it was such a, I don't know. It was, that, that line really stuck out to me. Of like, I just, I miss black people. I miss being with black people. And I, I, um, that sense that she, what she was losing was an entire sense of community, you know? And yeah, I, another moment about that, that was kind of interesting was when she's at Irene's house and they're in the kitchen and uh, Zelina is cooking and she's making yes. yams. Yes. And Claire kind of, for lack of a better term, she code switches. You know, yes. she she kind of shifts into a country tone of like, so how you making them? And she's trying to kind of be like, yeah. like she's not the white woman she's pretending to be. And uh, it's and Zulina is actually there's a there's a great sort of micro or, you know, nuance of how she responds. There's kind of a an indignation of how she says, like, you know, just salt, sugar and, you know. Uh, butter and butter uh keep it simple like she's not buying it is really what i got from zoo yeah i think she does it one other time too uh the code switching is when she orders the drinks for her and irene in the very first scene when she's like we want cakes and then she talks and then she's like the finest cakes you got an iced tea bring them up in like champagne glasses mm -hmm. and yeah that the ability to kind of just let loose i'm with an old friend I can talk like this again. Right. In right. a way. And I totally get that of like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about, you know, how swishy these S's get. I'm with gays. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And, and it's even an, an unconscious thing. I unconsciously attempt to sound straight when I'm in a quote unquote more hetero situation, you know, um, mm -hmm. whether or not it's whether or not I'm passing is not is a whole other story. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember those days when, it, like, it was like this badge of honor. Like, if someone said, "Like, you're not gay, you are not gay," uh huh, uh -huh. and I would just be like, "Well, you know, I am, but you know, it's nice yeah. that you don't think so," which is so gross. Yeah, right. Oh, would you say I'm straight acting? And it's like, yes, but I that's what I, people. Yeah, go ahead. Go it, ahead. Well, I think I just saw something on Instagram of like we we need to move away from the idea of like straight acting or appearing straight as like a compliment 
like as a positive. Yes. It's not negative. It's just not like, oh, thanks, you know. Um, but yeah, and that's to make other people comfortable. Like it's the most ridiculous thing. But it's a hard thing to let go of. Yeah, I mean, and it's I I kind of appreciate having that experience watching this movie because it's like anyone could watch this and really appreciate like the the real world kind of struggles that Claire is dealing with. But like it was kind of. Uh, it was fun to kind of see this through the queer lens of like, God, I just, I get that basic feeling of like, you're, you're trying to be someone you're not. So you can have the life you think you're supposed to have, you know? And then you see that there's, it's possible to have this whole other life being who you are. And it's almost like she's, you know, like she, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it's not like she's in high school and it gets better and she'll eventually go to college. I really wonder like, it might just be financial or it might be something more, but like could Claire leave the life she has and move to Harlem or, you know, is that even an option? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Could she divorce John? Yeah. 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 Because then you'd, I mean, unless they just like, I don't know, didn't get along or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know what that story would look like or what she would have to do in order to, I don't know, reverse everything for lack of a better word. I, I don't know this it's there's so much to think about which is why I I love this movie she'll always kind of be at the windows you know no pun intended you know to her great demise but she'll always be kind of at the window looking in at the party even if she's dancing with guys or she's trying to be the life of the party she's never really a part of it you know um yeah and it's there was it's sad and and the other thing I was just gonna say is there's something to be said for Hugh's wife, this white woman dancing with all these guys as almost this kind of mirror of like, this is how much you doing this act makes you not belong here, you know? Yes. Um, and it's the act that is, is keeping you away. Um, but anyway, sorry, you were going to yeah. say something. No, it's a, I wonder, I don't know if this is any sort of, it's definitely foreshadowing, but I just didn't know if there's anything else. Like when, uh, Claire comes to visit Irene at some point. I can't remember if it was like the first or second or, you know, fifth time she comes up to the house and Claire opens a window and the pot falls out. Do you remember that? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything there? Is it just like, is it just foreshadowing? Like, does the pot represent something? I was like oh, really trying to make something I, out of the pot. I didn't like even the, think of that. But I don't know because it was just because they really held that frame. Yeah. Of the pot on the sidewalk because we don't see. Well, we do see her body, I guess, at the very end, too. It's like we this do. broken pot of like. And the plant yeah, was kind know. of like a dying plant. I feel like she was trying to like. Yes. There was it. It was not thriving, and then it fell. Yes. And so, oh, that's an oh, it's like an Act Two gun. That's interesting. I know. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not at the beginning, but it's not. It's somewhere in there. Maybe like a third of the way, two thirds of the way. Yeah. Through, um, it might be the. It's sometime in the fall, but yeah, it's one of the early visits. Um. Oh wow. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, this is one I would watch this again. I really would. I I would I would love to just kind of slip into this world again. It's uh just to go through the face journeys again would be a reason enough to rewatch this. Yeah, for all the same reasons that we talked about for the power of the dog, the exact same thing applies to this movie of just like I there's so much to mine in these performances and these these two are at the top of their game and I can't, I, I'm so excited for Tessa Thompson. I want to see, I want to see more of both of them. It, but I, again, I mean, criminally 
I don't want to say criminally undersung, but like I, I just wish Tessa Thompson would get as much praise as Ruth Negga. And I guess it would be in leading actress. Absolutely. I absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I'm really surprised this, th- that her performance isn't getting more recognition. Ugh. But, you know, I, I, I've already had to deal with, you know, the heartbreak of mass. And so it's like yeah. if, if Anne and Ruth can, you know, even if they have to go against each other. Now, I'll say that if it comes down to, you know, all right, you know, we have a BSA race, you know, I, I maybe Ruth will make it, maybe Anne will make it. We know Kirsten will probably make it. But of those yeah. three, recent BSAs we've creamed out about, Anne Dowd, Ruth Nega, uh, Kirsten Dunst. Ariana DeBose. Ariana DeBose, thank you. That's the other one. Um, yeah. Who else? Who who else is in that mix? I don't know. I feel like there are some Belfast ladies. Yeah, that's to be what talked it is. About. Yeah, yeah, maybe Anjanua Ellis. That would be cool. Oh, that's a great category. Yeah. Be, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm always gonna go with Anne. You know, like at the end yeah. of the day, she brought that flower pot. She <laughs> she re-entered at the end. I have a story I'd like to tell. Oh my god. Ugh. I can't. I I just that woman. Um, I know. But uh, but I'll say you know like, well the best actress race may not be super exciting this year and is lacking the Tessa Thompson of it all. I gotta say the BSA race this year, the BSAs that we've talked about the past few weeks of like current movies, have been like solid performances. And I was thinking that watching this movie, I guess this morning, I was like, you know, what a what a. You know, people want to piss all over 2021, right? And I get it. But, like, what a great year for movies and actressing. Mm-hmm. Like, for a, for a year that maybe didn't everyone, everyone didn't love, like, the bright spots, I was like, yeah, but Passing came out in 2021, you know? Yeah, Mass and... I, w- I wanted to say Massing. Massing. Oh, my God, <laughs> the mashup. Passing and Mass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're uh, both plants. Plants they, in both movies. Yeah, there's plants. Uh, there's... Um, you know, two some, strong women, two strong women, two great men. Um, yeah, there's there Felice. Go. There's uh, the oh, that's my lunch. Oh, yeah. What was her name? Yeah. In mass. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, oh, it's going to kill me now. I don't know. It's like Stephanie is her name in the movie or someone. Yeah, I know her name was uh, Brita. Oh, Judy. 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 Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my Judy. God. So, yeah, really passing in mass. Uh, are really, I two mean, two highlights, two highlights, sisters. Yeah. Well, uh, before we pass on to the best supporting after show on <laughs> Patreon, do you have any other thoughts? No, I would suggest people watch this movie. Um, it's, it's definitely something that I had on the list, but I'm so glad that we watched. And for anyone who loves actresses as much as we do there, this is just like, Christmas morning, really. There's so much, and and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Don't and it. someone just emailed us bef- like before yeah, we I responded this. to them. Yeah. Oh, good, good. I was like, I oh, did. well, good suggestion. Um, yes, yes. Well, I'll be very happy this week. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, well, Christmas just came late this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this may not be the tinkling of the jazz piano, but we are indeed being played off. So, where can folks find more of you? Uh, they can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which comes out every Thursday, and uh, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast. I can never remember if I say that. Is that part of my spiel? Doesn't matter. Moving on. Yeah. Um, and then they can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov. How about you? 
Well, if you are watching Drag Race, you can hear my coverage with Johnny on All Right Mary of season 14 that is coming out uh, in probably, I guess, as this episode is coming out um, or the day after. So uh, get your racing heels on. And uh, you can find me on In the Details, A Celebration of Nuance. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker. But more importantly, Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. I'm a little over Twitter. That being said, if you do want to reach out to us in a best supporting capacity, you can do that by contacting us at BSA Pod on Twitter. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. Well, keep your Patreon peepers peeled because the best supporting after show is coming out and we have got Pen15 to catch up on, assignments to catch up on, BSAs to catch up on. Uh, I'm going to talk about my milk frother again, just so you know that right now. (laughs) If that's not a big enough sell, I don't know what is. Yeah, I give up. But if you want to hear all that more, (laughs) you just got to go to patreon.com slash BSA pod. And that, as they say, is that.